Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. We want to take a moment to share some really cool news. We've been selected as one of the top 10 Houston Dynamo podcasts by Feedspot. It is an absolutely incredible honor, so make sure to check out the full list over at https colon backslash backslash blog.feedspot.com backslash Houston underscore Dynamo underscore podcasts. Thanks again, Feedspot, and thank you guys for listening and tuning in. Now, here's your show. If you're enjoying the show and find yourself wanting to discuss with us during the week, hit us up on Twitter. At Gen Orange Radio, we try to tweet a few times per day or at least respond to tweets that mention us. You can also follow at Chase Segovia, Mark's Twitter, for the greatest hot takes. And of course, follow me at Sean Ringrose, even though I may be wrong about roughly 25% of the time. Thanks for listening, and as always, enjoy the rest of the show. Another episode of Generation Orange, an episode that feels way too long in coming, even though it's only been like two weeks, feels a lot longer than that. Uh, I am one of your co-hosts, Sean Ringrose, and joining me is also... What's going on, guys? It's Mark. I know I've missed a couple of shows. Oh, both of us have missed a couple of shows, but I mean, but kind of due to me. Uh, You say that, you know, I know it's been two weeks, but shit, it's been, I feel like I've been stuck in the last three days for months <laughs> 2020 uh 2020 time time uh time passage there three yeah, days man. equals three months yeah i remember those days i don't want to be back oh, to those man. days it's, it's been it's, it's been kind of hectic the last couple of weeks with work and things of that nature but <clears throat> at last we're here um there's a lot to talk about obviously you know dynamo 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 is the subject that i saw on our on our notes you know prior to coming on here so i'm excited to talk about it uh, obviously we have our first 100 capacity match coming up this saturday but you know before we get to all that a lot of things have happened since the last time we got on here so john yeah uh i think that feels like an understatement a lot has happened uh i mean we had ownership had their first uh press conference uh ted seagal coming in and uh honestly I started off on a very good foot. Uh, I would say even started off on a couple of good feet. Uh, you know, we've got we've got a new CEO, uh, and uh, that's an interesting uh, interesting dynamic there. Um, 
And uh, obviously, we've got a new player uh, coming in, and we've got a player going out. Uh, man, uh, what else is going on besides the fact that uh, Tab apparently can't figure out how to actually play tactically on the road? We'll talk about that uh, in a whole, whole lot more. Uh, I don't know how long this show is going to be. Uh, I'm going to be honest. It could be an hour and a half. It could be two hours. It could be an hour. <laughs> Uh, we have no show order. It is all just Dynamo uh, and whatever else happens to pop up as we go along. Uh, but, but guys, oh, go ahead. I said, but obviously, guys, you know, you you're the third co-host of the show. So please, you know, if you're for those of you who are active on the chat right now, I know see Georgie right now. See, so you know earlier what's going on, guys. Uh, you know, you know, keep it going. Let let us let us know what you want to talk about, and you know, we'll go back and forth with you guys as well. Hey, you don't want to be watching that game anyways. It's much better watching us live. Come on now. Uh, George said he's uh, we're bleeding into his uh, Mexico game. Uh, you'll live. Uh, but no, seriously. So let's uh, let's dive right in with the most important topic, of course, which is is actually our new ownership uh, being introduced to Ted Seagal. The pictures that people had, you know, shared about him. Totally not the same guy. The information they've been sharing, probably fairly accurate, but also fairly confusing. It felt like because some of it was hit or miss. Uh, but the one thing that this guy has said repeatedly over and over and over again is uh, he has two, go- you know, two things that he's focused on. Number one, his goal uh, is to be a winner on the pitch. Um, you know, he believes that winning on the pitch is going to improve attendance. Winning on the pitch is going to help in a lot of other areas. And the second thing is that he's committed to uh, he's committed to providing the resources necessary to make that happen. Um, and the one thing I got from him, uh, in that press conference is he's a passionate guy. Um, he's passionate about, you know, about soccer in general. Um, you know, he doesn't have a huge soccer history or anything like that in terms of he wasn't, you know, he played a little bit and his daughters play. Um, but it's not even so much that there's just, it's a guy who wants the organization to be a winner. Um, and a guy who, who, who clearly, in my opinion, understands that a much larger investment is necessary uh, in order to get us kind of over the current hump that we're at. Um, What that investment looks like, I couldn't tell you. I don't know. Um, The question was asked, you know, can you try to summarize that? And he said, I don't know yet. It's it's hard to say. But, you know, I'm here to not stand in the way. If a move, you know, if a move makes sense, um, you know, I'm going to I'm the approver or I'm the denier. Um, and as long as it makes sense, I'm going to put the money forward to make it happen. Um, and, so, uh, hey, speaking of, just throwing it out there as more of a laughing note than anything else. But, hey, Lionel Messi's contract is up right now. Uh, <laughs> he is a free agent. And I'm just saying, Ted Segal, if you're watching, first of all, welcome to the organization. Second of all, greatest owner we've ever had. Uh, third of all, uh, hey, hell of a way to make a splash. I'm just saying, man, like that would be a way to go out with a bang, like, you would oh. you would absolutely turn every head, not only in the league but worldwide. You said you wanted a global organization. Can't get more global than that. Go ahead, Mark. I mean, I mean how, how how quickly do you want to make your money back? <laughs> that would, that, I mean, honestly, that would be still be pretty quick though. Yeah, I mean, but um, yeah, man. But you know, let's let's not forget the keyword here. You know, resources. Yeah, resources, resources, and and you know, and he and that seems to be his fair word. I mean, obviously, I watched the press conference press conference, you know, introducing him and, you know, with, with Don Garber and, and, and uh, commissioner from NWSL camera over her name at the moment. But uh, yeah, man, it was a great press conference. Uh, I like the fact that, you know, that they had, you know, a little bit of, of things up their sleeves, even though as, as Dynamo fans and supporters, we kind of knew some of those uh, announcements were already on, on, on already kind of made, 
But, you know, the fact that he threw it out there doing this a uh, very public event, you know, said, you know, the teenage thing before actually all the T's being crossed and all dots being dotted, you know, he threw it out there that it's, it's a done deal. It's just a, you know, a matter of a visa issue, which obviously with the announcement today of him being signed and he'll be available to us after he quarantines for, uh, I think, 10 days or whatever. Uh, he's, he's our newest player, so it's a great thing. Uh, you know, and then obviously the the hiring of Jamie Rutan, for those who don't know, obviously, you know, he used to be the, the old C, CEO for the Texans, um, you know, but on the business management side of the Texans where, you know, dealing with the, you know, suites, you know, partners, uh, corporate partners, uh, making sure that there's money available for the club coming in corporately and things of that nature as far as sponsorships. Uh, basically, any any spot available on BVVA Stadium or on a Dynamo jersey kit, whatever, it's up for sale. If you know with Jamie Roots, um, you know, and another interesting thing about you know, obviously with with Jamie Roots coming in, you know, obviously he had a prior tenure in MLS prior to being up the CEO with the Texans, you know, with the old Columbus Crew. Um, so he's not he's not too. He's not a novice when it comes to MLS and the MLS structure and things and things that thing and ways of doing things. I think he had a harder time back then because of it was such a new, uh, such a new entity back in the days. And now you know it's far, 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 far along than what it was back in '99, 2000 when he was a part of the Columbus Crew. Uh, so it's uh, it'll be interesting to see what he does. Obviously, he gets to stay stay home where he's been where he's where he's made his home for the last twenty years. Um, so it'll be great to see what he does and and how much how much uh money he can bring into the club. Yeah, um, you know, it, it caught me by surprise only because I hadn't heard anything about it. Um, and to be fair, uh, they had done a really good job of of uh, of keeping a few other things under wraps uh, that you know they've been working on. Uh, but uh, that was a huge uh, you know, in my opinion, I'm going to use the word huge win rephrase huge win for the dynamo i mean this is a guy who has soccer experience he's got major league soccer experience uh you know in in front office so why does it matter when it comes to the front office well all you have to do is take a step back and look at what uh deanna witter and and john walker have done in their tenure here in terms of uh the atmosphere of uh, uh you know in the stadium the atmosphere in and out of matches um the way that the media has media coverage has changed just in the last couple of years um, somebody had noted earlier on uh, on the Surge Discord that uh, there was a Dynamo uh, piece about the new ownership, uh, you know, on the on the news uh, airing on one of the news channels during the news, you know, broadcast. That's a big deal. We haven't had that in a while, at least not consistently. Um, but uh, beyond even that, you know, this this guy comes in, uh, you know, Roots comes in with with a ton of experience in terms of business connections, in terms of uh, you know network connections. Um, you know, one thing he, he definitely did uh, in his tenure with the Texans uh, is he brought in big international soccer matches and, and had them played at NRG Stadium, you know, and, and uh, you know, we had the MLS All-Star match that was played at NRG Stadium when it was, you know, uh, uh, what was it back then? Uh, uh, United. Thank you. Uh, you know, we had, uh, you know, we've had uh, multiple international matches. We've had the Gold Cup. Uh, we had a, you know, match against uh, Argentina that I vividly remember because I was in the uh, Sam's Army that, you know, the supporters uh, that match. And, 
holy crap, watching Messi live was a, a surreal out of body experience. Uh, you know, play, watching him play for Argentina and watching that goal literally probably no more than 50 feet away from me in total. Uh, I mean, just incredibly crazy. Um, and to George's note, you know, Roots has uh, has come in and, and from his interviews, uh, you can check him out on The Striker. You can check him out on Corey's, uh, you know, uh, newsletter that he sends out, uh, all sorts of other places. The Athletic, uh, Mark Berman had an interview with him, a short one, but another one um, all over the place. Uh, but there's a big sense of confidence that he can flip this organization to be world class. And when he's talking about that, he's not talking necessarily about on-field product or on-pitch product. He he That comes with... Uh, all sorts of other things that comes with the additional investment. But he's talking about improving the st- in-stadium experience, improving the training experience for players, improving the player experience from the moment they arrive with the club and sign with the club, uh, improving that even interaction before they sign with the club, um, you know, uh, improving, um, you know, to the moment that they leave the club when they, you know, when they hang up their boots, whether they retire with the Dynamo or not, uh, just improving that whole period that they're here, uh, and, and making every moment of their time here feel world class so that you can attract the bigger name players and attract them in a way that you can sign them effectively without having to put out additional money simply because you don't have the um, the uh, the infrastructure in place to properly, you know, to, to really draw them in. Um, you know, and, and the other thing, and, and to uh, Dynapod's point here, and by the way, make sure you guys tune into the Dynapod show, uh, but... Uh, uh, pretty sure they're on YouTube, Dynapod. You want to correct me? Share share your info in chat. I'm sure it'd be helpful. But uh, uh, you know, one big emphasis that uh, that he has had, Jamie Roots and and uh, Ted Segal have both had Spotify. That's where it was. Spotify. I, I'm getting there's so many of them now. It's beautiful. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the focus, you know, another one of their focuses has been on community involvement and uh, improving that connection with the community and really becoming a Houston organization, um, not just existing in Houston, but actually, you know, living and being part of Houston and part of what makes Houston, Houston. Um, you know, you oh, know I'm sorry. No, go you ahead. know, one of, the, one of the things about like, you know, what the, the experience that Jamie Roots brings to the table, especially with the Texans, you know, one can say, uh, what I mean, you know, everything was kind of handed on a platter, you know, because, you know, he was a CEO for a uh, for a team that and a town that was so starved of football, who had a football team taken away from them. So, you know, everything was really easy for him. Yeah, that may they may be true, but at the end of the day, you still have to provide the experience and you still have to provide the 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 wanting to come back or wanting to be represented, or wanting to represent that that organization that he used to work for. Um, you know, and and just to piggyback off what Sean was saying. As far as the dynamo, you know, not just being a part of the city, but being known in the city, you know, being known globally, because obviously being playing the globe, the dynamo playing the global game. When you think of Houston, you want you want people to think of the dynamo. You want it to be one of the first things that come up in their mind when they think of Houston internationally. You know, obviously, with how popular basketball is internationally now, you know, when people mention Houston, you know, you think Rockets. James Harden, well, prior to, you know, him going away. <laughs> Not uh, anymore. You know, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, you know, especially uh, like in football, J.J. Watt, you know, things of that nature. Not but, anymore. But uh, <laughs> I like but, how you uh, keep ta- you keep keep using players that are no longer here. What are you going to do next day? Uh, you know, you think of the Astros and George Springer. Oh, wait, oh, no well, longer here. 
<laughs> well, baseball is not not that internationally, you know, known. But as far as like you know, basketball and football being the two main sports, we're yeah, trying yeah. to get that get that global outreach. Uh, but you know, but yes, yeah, it, it. But the Dynamo should have a, a a little bit of a head start on that. You know, playing the global game, um, and then you know, obviously with the fact that you know, if hopefully with what with the resources that Ted brings or he allocates to the Dynamo, and hopefully it's a significant amount to kind of catches up to where we need to be at because you can see it in Darn Garber's face as a commissioner. He he's very excited about Ted being a part of the Dynamo. For whatever reason, you know, obviously we know that they've had private conversations and and they and they've talked about what they want, what he, what his vision for the Dynamo are, and what Ted's you know vision are for the Dynamo. And Don has has stated in the past in interviews that he believes Houston should be one of the top markets as far as MLS goes and should have one of the top teams in MLS and in this region because of all the international. Uh, people that come here, all the international countries that are represented in this city, and for the amount of people that are in this country, I mean, in this in this city and the surrounding areas, it's about seven to eight million people. You know, yep. uh, I, I'm pretty uh, over over 70, 80 different countries. I'm sure, you know, if not more. Um, and, and everything is connected to soccer because a lot of, uh, everybody knows about the game of soccer. So, I mean, you know, I'm excited. It's it's, it's a brand new beginning. It's a fresh. I'm not expecting anything so quickly to happen. Uh, but, you know, obviously we are going to be in the transfer window here pretty soon for MLS again. Uh, obviously, you know, with news of Teenage coming in, it's, a, it's an exciting moment because, you know, obviously that solidifies our defense a little bit more. Um, and we'll get to that later later on because our defense has been leaky a little bit. But, uh, yeah, man, I'm excited. I'm happy. I'm, uh, I'm you know, I'm, I'm ready for this new era to come. And hopefully, and, you know, and, you know, if it happens, great. We're to, Ted can, you know, kind of, Fast forward us quickly to the top echelon of MLS teams, but if it doesn't, if it takes a little while, I'm, I'm willing to you know give the guy an opportunity to show us that he's he's for real. Yeah, uh, so you know you talk about the transfer window and uh, the one that we just had the one close kind of at the beginning of this month, and the new one opens on July 7th. So I think technically that's probably when. Uh, Teenage DB will officially be signed. You know, the contract's already signed, but his official start date will be then uh, as far as, you know, how that goes. Uh, I, I agree with you. There's there's more to come. Um, that's not it for this season. Uh, we've already seen a player transferred out in Christian Ramirez. We talked about it on last, at last show because the rumors have just kind of hit uh, about him uh, potentially going to Aberdeen. Um, I think that's a great opportunity for him. Uh, I think the league fits his style of play pretty well. And frankly, the way that Tab wants his striker to play is not exactly how Christian Ramirez is built to play. Noelia would probably slap me for saying that, but it's true. Um, it's a good it's a good opportunity for him. And what it does is it opens up and frees up a roster slot for a new forward or new striker to come into the to the mix. And it's somebody that is likely going to back up Max Arudi, right? Maxi Arudi, right now you can't argue that Maxi Arudi is one of the best players on this team. His quality in front of goal cannot be understated for a player that came in relatively cheap and a player that most uh, people, when he came into the, the club, did not have high expectations or aspirations for him in that position. A lot of people even considered that he probably would have been the backup to Christian Ramirez. Uh, but I think there's no doubt at this point that Maxi... Uh, has taken that 
taken that role of starting striker and basically solidified himself in that position. Now, if, if the Dynamo go out and sign somebody for a couple million dollars in that position who is a big-name player or a medium-name player that's going to attract eyeballs, you better believe that Maxi Rudy's probably not going to be starting anymore. But with that being said, I don't get the sense that that's the case. The, the you know If they were going to bring in a striker, it's going to be somebody that is a backup, somebody that they intend to have as a backup. Uh, and not necessarily the long-term solution at striker. With that said, though, we still have a pretty big hole at attacking midfielder, and I don't think you would argue with that, would you, at this point? No, obviously, you know, and uh, and just to go back to what we were saying, um, yeah, I was one of those people who had, uh, I mean, you know, the signing of Maxie, I wasn't excited about it at all. You know, obviously I known him from his Philadelphia days and, and FC Dallas days, you know, and he's just been uh, a mess striker, you know, a pretty okay striker, you know. Um, not, not nothing too special to to be all hyped about, but you know, but you know, obviously six goals in ten games is not is nothing to cry, is nothing to you know, not not, not nothing to not give us props for because I mean he is doing the job that's required that that he's able to do. Uh, he's taking full advantage of the opportunities that he's given from you know his from his wing play and from his midfield play. Um, you know, he does a, a very good job holding up the ball and inside the box and and creating positions and and sometimes being a decoy to to other guys, you know, to for for to, for uh, to give the other guys opportunities to score goals. Uh, so you know, first ten, ten games, I think Moxie gets a solid A minus A or or A uh, for these first ten games. You know, it's very solid. I think he's obviously been our our marquee pickup this this season i mean uh, maybe some might argue tim parker but but as far as scoring goals and you know how much of a difficulty we had last season with our number nine scoring goals obviously being mauro or, or ramirez last season um for maxi to be at six goals in 10 games it's a really good start for him and you know double digits here we come hopefully um but yeah as far as you know players that can come in you know obviously you know they're still looking for that attacking player Midfield has been kind of crazy. The wing, the wing play obviously has been, you know, not 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 on par with what Moxie has been doing. You know, obviously, you know, the fact with uh, Pasha being out and then Memo trying to step in and him not doing not not a damn thing to be honest. And then obviously Fafa had a great game uh, prior to his suspension because of yellow card accumulation. Uh, but you know, still. It's kind of it still leaves a little bit of wanting more from your wing play because you know what kind of wing play we we've had for the last couple of years with you know obviously with with our, what Quintero did last season and what and what Albert Elise and uh, Romel Coyoto used to do our seasons to that so we have we kind of have an expectation expectation for wing play and, and and we're not meeting that right now and I think if it was on par with what Moxie was doing I think we'd be a much more dangerous team than what we are currently. And I think we'd be a lot more successful on the road than what we are currently because the the road is still killing us. It's still hurting us. Um, I don't think we can ever. I don't think we can be taken seriously as as a team. Well, I mean, I think we can make the playoffs, obviously, but as far as being a serious contender and being a serious threat to those other uh, to those big teams in MLS, it's it's pretty hard because you know we can't do anything on the road. Yeah, so uh, Dynapod asks a question. Uh, thoughts on Memo up top in a four-two-three-one with Vera and Jones as the holding mids? Uh, I mean, yeah, to be honest, at, at this moment in time, I'd rather have Corona over Memo. 
Well, no, no, no. Memo up top in a four-two. So that would, he would be your striker, basically. Oh no, 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 no. Memo's too small. Too yeah, small. Mem- Memo's not a holding forward. Memo's not a possession holder type player. Um, he just, it, it, you know. Uh, oh, Cam. Oh, okay. That's different. Thank you for correcting that. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, he, I meant, he meant attacking mid. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> There's confusion between the three of us. All right. Okay, so, 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 yeah, so yeah, so yeah. Attacking I, mid I, in a four-two-three-one. I, I would rather have Corona right now. And, and and then and then Seren backing them up, you know, because at least at least with with the Seren and and, and Corona, you know, those guys can you know, if they're really going to be the ten and they're going to focus on that, I know that they can do the job, you know, without being without being eliminated or taken out of the game like Memo has been at numerous amount of times. Whether he's playing the wing, whether he's playing the eight, whether he's playing the six, he he has a tendency of getting eliminated from the games and i understand why there's a lot of why why we see memo's face so much when it comes to marketing advertising and things of that nature i understand he's a homegrown player and he they they want to push that onto the you know supporters and fans and 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 basically just kind of you know promote the dynamo academy i understand that but as far as what we're seeing on the pitch from memo right now i don't think he's on par with 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 what we need as far as going forward to be a dominant team here in mls yeah, I, I do. I, I definitely agree. Why am I suddenly getting echoes, Mark? What happened? Oh, sorry, it's my phone. Oh. <laughs> Turn off the stream, bro. Yeah. Uh, no, it's all good. Uh, no, I, you know, look, I, I agree. Um, you know, we've been watching Memo for years now at this point, and he's he's progressed uh, consistently over you know a number of years, but. Uh, the one thing you know, I have said uh, this season, I said it last season, and I, I've even said it two seasons ago, Memo's that player that he's going to have an excellent game once every five to six matches. Uh, and it's always going to be that match where you just don't expect it, so it always holds more, more emphasis, more value. You, you look at him and you're like, damn, if only he could do that the rest of the time. But the fact is, is he hasn't, and it seems like he can't. Uh, he's been given the opportunities to do so, but he's fallen well short. Go ahead, Mark. And then you also, I mean, obviously, look, I'm I'm going to give him his roses too. I mean, he's had he's had a string of games where he's you know scored goals, been creative, and things of that nature. Not not this season, but prior seasons, right? Um, but you also got to think about it. He wasn't a focal point for this team. So nobody really focused the defense or anything or made or made adjustments to 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 take Memo out the game. At that time, you were dealing with players like Mauro. You were dealing with players like Albert Elise, uh, Ramon Kyoto. You know, you're talking about, you know, international players who play, you know, big time soccer, who did big time things in MLS. And then, you know, if to be honest, if I'm the opposing coach, look, Albert Elise, Mauro Manota, Ramon Kyoto, they're not going to beat us. If so, if it so happens that this little kid Memo Rodriguez scores the goals, then fine, I can I can live with that. And that's what he was doing. He was taking advantage of the of the fact that that defenses weren't weren't pressuring him as much as they are now, knowing that he's a focal point to this offense and a focal player to this team. Uh, but obviously, we see, you see what it is. I mean, once a team um, um, goes after you and they strategize to take you out of your game. Then we see how much of a difference they are as far as you know, uh, from being a a a starter, a starting caliber player to being a bench player. And there's nothing wrong with being a bench player at all. You know, I've always been one of those who I would love to see Memo come in as a super sub. You know, play the last 15, 20 minutes and just go all all out. 
you know, against tired legs, I think that's where he best he can he can best dominate the game and be able to show his skill set and be able to do the things that we've seen him do prior. But at this moment, as him being one of the focal points of the offense or the team and things of that nature, I just don't. I at this moment, I I don't see him uh, taking up taking it up to another level. I mean, he can still prove me wrong. He's still young enough to do it, you know. And, and if he does, great. You know, obviously that that benefits the team. But at this moment, I don't see that. Yeah, and and I don't want to sit on this point for too long because, of course, you know, there's plenty else to talk about besides just Memo. He's not, you know, the own, the whole team, if you will. But uh, you know, I, I think it's a good point Houston Dynapod made. Uh, you know, he has been moved around quite a bit. Uh, wing, midfield, um, you know, and deep midfield, you know, playing as a central mid versus playing as an attacking mid versus playing as a winger, playing as a deep midfielder uh, out wide. Um, and we've seen him play that kind of shadow striker role. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the other thing is, you know, he does tend to go hot and cold for stretches at a time, and there's not a lot of consistency there. And that's true well, of... Um... Good. Huh? <laughs> Can All I finish? Right. <laughs> no, okay, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, I was, you know, and I was just going to add to that. You know, it, it, you have to have somebody who's consistent in that playmaker role. You can't afford to have someone who is hot and cold for periods of time because that playmaker, that attacking midfielder role is it. It is the the uh, you know the engine that drives this machine, um, and you know. Certainly, I think Memo could could slot there, but my concern would be when he disappears. Uh, you know, there's nobody else intended to really, you know, help distribute that ball, you know, effectively. Um, and you know, we've seen how much Tab likes his two central mids to be the kind of pivot points and the distributors. He doesn't, you know, he he wants wings to push up high. He wants his wing backs to put up, you know, his outside backs, full backs to push up alongside them. Uh, into the attack, and he wants to attack from the wings more so than centrally. Centrally is not where Tab wants to be pushing the ball too terribly much because he wants to defend centrally um, and use the the wings to to push, um, you know, to push the attack uh, and keep the opposition fullbacks back deeper in their own half so that they're not providing pressure the other way. And uh, go ahead. Just this last statement on Memo before we move on to the next topic. Um, I'm I'm done with seeing him on the wing for the rest of the season, for the rest of his career. Honestly, he, I mean, he just doesn't have he doesn't have the pace for it. You know, he's not the he's not that physical dominating uh, presence on the wing. Nor can he run. He, nor nor do I think he can beat defenders one v one off the wing. Um, you know, but obviously he doesn't make that decision to put himself on the wing. And then you know we can go on to the next topic. You know, speaking about about Tab. You know, and no, no, uh, no, that's not the next tap topic. I'm sorry. Uh, it, it has come up in chat, so we're going to have to talk about it. Uh, sir, I, I need you to clarify your statements, uh, basically, uh, bemoaning us picking up Fafa Pico in the offseason and the wonderful acquisition that he has absolutely been these last few matches in particular. I know what you're going to say. You're going to come out and say, well, yeah, he's got one PK goal and two assists. And yeah, you're right if you look at the stat sheet. But frankly, there's not been another player on this team in the wing position that has done any better than that. Um, He has been our best winger overall. And the one thing that Fafa has brought that we hadn't had in seasons past is he is an absolute... uh, 
workhorse. He is going to be that guy that is going to run up and down that pitch uh, side, you know, along that flank, and he is not going to give an inch to any other player, regardless how much taller that player may be than him. Uh, he is physically manhandled game after game after game and somehow still creates an opportunity here or there that nobody expects and nobody sees coming. Um, so, so you know, Mark, I, I just need to get – I need to hear you say it, that maybe Fafa's not as bad as you thought. But, however, I do want to note this. When Mark has has challenged Fafa to step up – that's what I'm going to call it – has challenged him to ste- step up, he has stepped up into that role, and he's become that player that we can count on. So, Mark – in saying that, I'm hoping you still go total heel mode here and go ahead and rip into him so that no, we reverse I mean, psychology Fafa yeah. into, you know, Saturday's match having the game of his life. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, obviously, you know, like I said, for, you know, before I make any statement here on for, here going forward, I mean, you know, <laughs> I want I, I've always been adamant, adamant that I want Fafa to succeed. Obviously, he's a dynamo player. I support him and I want him to be the best player that he can possibly lead to lead this team. I mean, that's the reason one of the reasons why I'm sure Tab brought him in. Right. But, you know, but with, with that being said, obviously, yeah, the game prior to him missing this prior game, you know, because of yellow card accumulation, that was I think that was his best game. You know, he's, by far, he's been. Um, steadily, I would say he's been steadily improving. Yeah, I think but, but, he's, he's but, found but, that but, rhythm. He's found that rhythm on that on you know on either side. He's you know comf- more comfortable with the players around him. Go ahead. Yeah, and that's that. great. And that's great. And it only took nine games, which is kind of eh. But you know, because he's an MLS veteran and he should already know the league and how everything is played, right? I would understand if he was a a, a newcomer to the league. But, you know, and speaking on the fact that, you know, he's the best winger we've had, I mean, you know, he's compa- you're comparing him to a, a memo who doesn't know how to play wing, Asher who's been injured for six games, and then Lasseter who started one game, did really good and never got to start again for whatever reason. I don't, I don't know what's going on with that situation, but that's neither here nor there. So, I mean, the the, the competition isn't, isn't, isn't stout competition to be the best winger and in, in, in Dynamo uh, for 2021. I mean, you know, but yeah, by far he's been the best because – He's had the most opportunities, um, you know, and with that being said, obviously, I know the stats don't show it right now. Obviously, him only having one goal coming from a PK and then the two assists. But with that being said, like I mentioned prior, the wing play that we're used to as Dynamo fans has been exceptional, you know, and we're going we're continue to we're continuing having a 4-3-3. That's great. So that means you have to have exceptional wing play to have a successful 4-3-3 no matter if you play with a with two eights and a 10 or two sixes and an eight whichever form of the 4-3-3 you play you need exceptional wing play and i'm not i'm not going to take away from the fact that you know he gets back on the on the ball defense and things of that nature that's great but how many how many times do am i am i willing to see am i willing to sacrifice my wings for defense. I mean, that's why we brought in Tim Parker. That's why I'm hoping that we, you know, with the signing a teenage, you know, that that solidifies our defense. You know, that's why you made the, the your two highest purchases are two cents are two center backs. So obviously you're solidifying the line. So I shouldn't have to sacrifice my offensive players as much to help with the defense. You see what I'm saying? And as far as wingers go, I mean, like I said, I I need him to not only show that that grit that he does going back for the ball. I need him to attack. I need him to show a better movement. I need him to do better with the offside thing. The offside thing is such a killer. It's such a damn killer. I'm 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 just, you know, 
and and it, it happens to every winger. It happens to all the best wingers. I mean, the the game, the I just we were speaking about the Euros earlier. Earlier, I think it was a game against Portugal where Mbappe had like three offsides, and he just killed the whole momentum for France. You know, but you know, but obviously with being local in the Dynamo and fought, fought with all the speed that he has, you know, I see how sometimes he can just you know go into full blast mode and outrun the defender and just put himself outside. He needs to understand that he needs to slow it down a little bit. He needs to understand that he that he has the pace to beat a defender, and not and not have to put himself offside. But with that being said, you know he turned the page. Uh, he turned he turned the page. Hopefully, now that he's had a little bit of time off because of his suspension, he comes back. We're gonna have a hundred, hopefully, a hundred percent capacity at the stadium July third. Uh, it's gonna be real real nice atmosphere. Hopefully, it motivates him and he comes out and shows out. That's that's ultimately what I want from Fafa. It's, it has it's never been about you know I want Bahamich over him or or Lasseter or or Quintero. I want whatever is best for the team and whoever can do the work that's needed for us to score goals. Because at the end of the day, what we need is goal scoring. It's always been the thing that's kind of haunted us. I mean, would would you say, Mark, that the team that scores the most goals is going to win the next match? Hundred <laughs> percent. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, by, you know, by my you powers know. of common sense and logic, I can do the math there. Yeah, exa- exactly. You know, and and and, and it's and, and like I said, I'm 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 not gonna knock on Fafa too much anymore. Uh, that, uh, well, I'll I'll continue knocking on him if his <laughs> if his quality falls and he keeps starting. My thing, my thing is that if you're gonna get a starting position job, and 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 any 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 squad soccer whatever sport. You better do a damn good job at your at your to 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 maintain that spot, especially when you have so many more people behind you for that same spot. You know, I don't know what the deal is with Lasseter. I don't know why he's not he's he's not being he's not being chosen to play wing to start wing, and we're picking Memo. I don't know what the deal is with him not playing Bahamich. I don't. I, obviously, we kind of know what the, the the conflict is between him and Darwin, uh, Tab and Darwin Quintero. But you saw Darwin Quintero come in the last game and and and, and spark the spark the attack. You know, for as much as we hate what's going on with him, or or whether we're against Tab, we're on Tab's side or we're on Quintero's side of the of the issue, whatever. When he gets on that pitch, he makes things happen offensively. I'm not. I, I, Fafa's a way better defender, but he's a he's an offensive player. I'm not too worried about my offensive players being the best defenders, and I'm trying to score goals. You you could say that, but uh, I think in Tab's system, your outside your your wingers, your wide midfielders, whatever you want to call them. They have a responsibility to at least help cover back. No, 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 no. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I look, look. So you can not... say, no, well, here, here's my point to that. You can say you don't need, you know, you don't care if they can't defend. But the truth is, you know, Elise couldn't defend. There was one thing Elise couldn't do. He couldn't defend. And it, at, there were plenty of times where his incapability of defending hurt the team. And he, you know, he was the most talented player on the team. So let me ask you this. You know, obviously it it it's 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 hot as it's hot as hell in Houston, right? Mm-hmm. That's we're, not the word you wanted to use, but good good, good job well, catching yourself. Well, we're about we're about to get we're about to get into the nitty-gritty as far as humidity and, and heat and all that stuff. You know, 
with with Elise and even with Cantero, and we're only using obviously last season as 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 far as with Cantero, right? Because that's the, that's the first season he was with us. You see where they focus most of their energy onto the the offensive side of the ball because they're wingers, right? Yeah, they 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 didn't really focus on the defense. You know, they they kind of like they got they got beat and this and that. But you can see that when we needed something to happen with those guys, they made it happen offensively. And right now, you know, as much as I love to hear Eddie Robinson on the broadcast praise Fafa for his defense, you know, at the end of the day, I need to see Fafa score some goals. I need you to know, see him. I need to. I'm, I need to see. I need to see him create crosses to Moxie or to Ramirez at that time, or or whoever's in the box to score goals. You know. No, like I, said, I'm gonna. Like I'm going to argue a point that you just said when, you know, when we needed those guys to step up, they would step up. I'm going to argue that was not the case when we well, needed I mean, those guys to step up offensively nine times out of 10, at least was missing goal nine well, times out yeah. of 10. Morrow was Morrow was nowhere to be found. If he got the ball at his feet, we were lucky if it was anywhere near goal last season, but you, you know, know but it, you know, it's, but it, 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 it could be, a, it could be a lot of many different reasons, but, but at the end of the day, when they, when we needed some offensive, you know, attacking. There was attacking offensively. Sure. No, there was an, there, in there was the an early stages of the match, we suffered the exact same issues last season that we have right now, which is that we cannot defend a lead, and that we would always score goals early and not hardly ever score goals past the midpoint of the match. And to speak on top of what you what you just mentioned, we cannot defend a league uh, a lead, and yet I'm sacrificing one of my offensive players to go help defend, and we still can't defend the league. So, you know, so, you know, it, it goes both ways. You know, like, I understand there has to be a, a balance, you know, for offensive and defensive players. But, but, you know, when you're the top three of the of the formation, your your focus should be more offensively than it is defensively, right? When you're the back four, your, your, your priority is more defensively than it is offensively, you know? That's why sometimes, you know, I, 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 we get on Lundy because even though we love to see him make the runs up top, I need him to focus on his defensive uh, priorities sometimes too, because he gets beat sometimes because he's so far up, you know, but regardless, there needs to be a better balance. And I hope the fact, you know, that they invested money with Parker and now, you know, teenage. And then obviously last season we're bringing players like Valentin and, 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 um, and uh, I'm missing somebody here, but, and drafting Barlow, but obviously we haven't seen him yet, but um, it'll, it'll help along with not having to, not having to rely on offensive players to come back and help. Yes and no. Uh, you know, I mean, some of the best teams uh, in MLS, if they're, you know, it, it, even if their attack is generating on all cylinders, you know, they're still susceptible to the counter. They're still susceptible to opposition attack. One thing to keep in mind, and, and I, I'm not bringing this up to argue. I'm bringing this up because I think it needs to be brought up is MLS is a different beast compared to other international leagues in that we are very much much more an offensive-minded league than we are a defensive-minded league. Um, that's not to say that there aren't teams that aren't focused defensively. You look at your Philly, you look at your um, uh, you know, your Seattle, uh, two teams that have, have this season in particular been very solid defensively, and they're also unsurprisingly two of the best teams in the league. But the, 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 the important thing there to keep in mind is that look at those, those two environments as well, home matches or away matches for that matter. It's just very different environments in terms of the way that they play. 
Seattle's not going out there and they're not running for a straight 90 minutes. They're not pushing the attack for the full 90 minutes. Philly are not going out there on the front foot every match. They're not out there the entire match going full bore 90 minutes. This has been my biggest frustration and I'm bringing it up. I'm going to harp on Tab, the one guy in this organization that I've really had hoped would, would be better than he's been from a coaching perspective, from a tactical perspective. Look, you have to understand as a coach that you cannot expect your players in this heat or otherwise, on the road or otherwise, to go a full 90, going full bore with a high press. It just doesn't happen. It doesn't work. There, there's very few teams in the world that can do that, uh, and, and they have fitness regimens and programs that are far stricter and far more rigorous than ours have ever been. Um, and, and the reason I, I say that is that Tab Tab just wants his players to go the full ninety with the high press, and and it just doesn't it doesn't work. It's the reason why we get two three <laughs> goals going into halftime, and then we give up two three goals by the end of the second half. Um, it, it's the reason why we we constantly see this major let off, uh, you know, going into the second half because guys are already exhausted forty five minutes into the match because they've run straight hard for forty five minutes. You know, the best teams that press, they understand two things. Number one, they understand you don't press, to, you know, the entire match. You don't want to press for the entire 90. What you do is you you understand and learn when to press and when not to press. You understand and learn how to apply pressure without exerting nearly that high level of energy so that you have that energy left when you do finally get the tackle in or you do finally intercept that pass or you do finally get the mistake from the other team that you can capitalize on it no matter what minute it is, whether it's the minute one or minute 90, you're there and you have the energy to be able to capitalize on it. You know, it's funny about when you talk about about pressing, you know, how how – Cliche is it like in a, in, a, in every soccer broadcast, especially MLS broadcasts, whether it be ESPN, FS1, or even locally here on with Glenn and and, and Glenn and Eddie, you gotta you you gotta press the first fifteen minutes. You gotta you gotta find that first goal in the first fifteen minutes to you know to put the to put the opponent you know up against the up against them up against it. I guess you know. Yeah, the first fifteen minutes when you're fresh and you're ready to go, you stretched out. You've been stretching out. You've been warming up. You go press, you know, and then you see usually the 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 rhythm go a little bit down because you know now they gotta conserve themselves because after running fifteen minutes straight, you know, at an aggressive level, trying to trying to get a goal, you gotta you gotta you gotta bring it back down because you still got a whole thirty minutes after that fifteen minutes is gone to keep going. You know? And then obviously halftime comes, you recover a little bit, but then you got uh, you got a whole another forty five to go if you're one of those players that play the whole game, uh, so you can't gas yourself out. And unfortunately, here, I mean, you saw what Portland did. They basically they let they they let the Dynamo hey go and run as much as you whatever you want to do. We'll, we'll, we're gonna we're gonna hold back as much as we can. Whatever we give up, we'll try to get it back the last fifteen twenty minutes. That's what they end up doing. Unfortunately, you know, Pasher missed the gimme, which could which could have made it three goals. Uh, and I know there was another opportunity where uh, somebody else missed it, and it could have been four goals. Uh, it could have been four zero easily. But you know, but for the simple fact that Portland let them have those two goals, really, because I mean, you saw how dominant the Dynamo were the first forty five minutes. You know, but then you saw how dominant the Timbers were the last forty five minutes. And especially with substitutes, 
know, the substitution game is not is something that you can that can win or lose you a match. And unfortunately, for the for these first ten games, I think it's a tab substitution strategy or whatever he's going about has lost us at least one or two games this season that I can think of off the top of my head. One obviously I can think of because we traveled up there was the FC Dallas game, which I felt it could have been a winnable. We should have won that game on the road, but we didn't because you know the the substitutions weren't there. Players were were lacking and and out of, and, and 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 running with their mouths open and they're not being subbed, you know. And then obviously this last this, this game against Portland Timbers where we let the game slide. Why are you subbing until the seventy fifth minute? No. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense, especially in the heat or especially on the road. I mean, look, the the other thing that and we talked about it, you know, a few weeks back, we talked about the five man back line. What are you trying to prove tab? You know, it, it clearly was a disaster. But beyond that, you know, it, it is it is unfortunate to me that tab does not have the confidence going on the road. And, you know, in, in the way he's selecting the team and or selecting the the 18 and the 11. You know, my my major concern there is what is the message that tells the players? You know, it, the players see a five-man back line. They're assuming you want to go in there and just you're really playing for that draw. You're not playing for the win on the road. And you know you have good enough players to push the the tempo, to push the pace, to to, you know, create opportunities. Now, with that said, again, it falls on tab to to teach these players, especially the younger players, how to effectively press and do it, you know, and pick and choose when they press. Look, if you watch any amount of Premier League or any amount of Champions League or any amount of Euros, you hear the announcers talking all the time about understanding when to press and when to sit back and, and let it come to you. It it, it it takes a football mind, it takes a keen understanding of the game to to understand that or to do that. And if the players we have don't have that football IQ, then that falls on the general manager and that falls on the coach. If the players that are being brought in don't understand that they can't go a full 90 or don't understand their bodies enough to know that, hey, I'm starting to get really tired, I need to call for a sub. If that never happens, if that doesn't take place, if these players don't understand enough, then there's a problem there. There's an, you know, and that needs to be addressed. That needs to be tackled because until it is, I don't care how good the players are that we get in here. Uh, it's not going to make a huge difference overall because come the 45th, come the 60th minute, we're going to be under so much pressure. We're going to concede. It's going to happen. And speaking, and speaking of a five man backline, as if I, if, if I'm the, if I'm a coach and the other team has shown me five men in the back, guess what? Guess what I'm about to do? I'm putting all my attackers in the mix. I'm about to press. I'm about to press the shit out. I'm about to press the the heck out of, out of the Just guys. say it. Nah, say it. Say it. I'm about to press the shit out of, out of that team. Why? Because it's more likely for them to, to make a mistake when, when, when there's so much pressure being applied to them, even though they have that extra defender, than it is if they just play the regular system and and play and play the regular formation with the regular players, what they went, what they've been doing for the for the for the 60, 70 minutes of the game. No, because once you add that extra component of an extra player and in into the defense, your 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 space as a CB or right back or left back becomes smaller, and then you start go crashing into each other's spaces, and you mix up, and you don't know who's supposed to be marking who, you know, 
and 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 that and that's and that's where the confusion starts to come starts to starts to increase and then especially once you start playing more pressure there's much more opportunities for holes to open up for for attack for attackers to become open and for goals to be made yeah, and the other thing that you see, and, and you know what, I, I think this probably speaks to what we've experienced as Dynamo fans from the team in the last few seasons is, you know, you get to those later stages in the match and your players are tired. What starts to happen? You start to have those mental lapses, those mental errors. Guys aren't, you know, guys aren't in the right positions. They're not marking the correct player. Or they're not marking a player in the box. They, you know, they go for a tackle they shouldn't go for. They get a red card. They get frustrated. Whatever it is, it's a, it's a lapse in mental judgment. And, you know, it, it is – sorry, I saw the name Sean, and it totally threw me off. Uh, I mean, if we had Sean, yeah, that'd be great. I wish I could be coach. Um, but, you know, it, it's just – it's a different situation. And it, especially when a player is tired, it, it's just mentally it's exhausting and, being out there for 90 minutes, especially when we are at full humidity and full heat. There, it, it's just I can't even imagine trying to play in that for ninety minutes. I just can't. And do you know? Do you and do you understand what the most frustrating thing about this whole situation is, Sean? Is the fact that MLS is still playing with five substitutes per game. You know, you get five subs. You get three three windows to make five subs. Yep. Imagine if we went back to three subs. How much more horrible this this team will look physically? Because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much you train in this in this weather. Yeah, we might have a little bit of a leg up for for maybe a f- five or ten minutes, but after that, it go, it goes back to the same being being on par, man. No, nobody nobody ever gets used to playing to and playing in this weather. You no. know, I mean, dude, why do you think the 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 World Cup of Qatar is not going to be in summer? It's in the winter time because nobody plays, nobody can play well under those conditions. And yeah, the I, the fact the fact of the matter is that. He needs to understand that he needs to use his subs earlier. I don't need to. I don't need to wait till till my mid till one of my my till Derrick Jones is out there just gasping for air. I don't need to wait for when I see Joe Corona, you know, bent over on his you know on his knees when the when the ref when the ball's out of play trying to catch his breath. I don't need to see that. I need to, I need to get the next player in before that happens. And I know Derrick Jones doesn't get tired. It's just the first name that popped into my head. Oh, he gets tired. He was tired last match for sure. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, I note, uh, and I think, you know, George hit a good point here. He says, I think MLS needs the five, though, because MLS has the worst stamina of all the leagues. I, I think that's really true. We don't have teams, and, and maybe this speaks to why we have yet to really capitalize on opportunities in, uh, you, you know, in the uh, CONCACAF Champions League. Look, we're we're not a stamina based league. We're not a league where we expect our players to to be stamina, you know, beasts. Um, and, and frankly, you know, if the Dynamo made, you know, Concacaf Champions League again with this same team, I think we would be in the same boat we were when we faced Tigres. We would be, you know, we would absolutely be the team that would be on the back foot the entire time. And it, it's not to to say it's a gulf in talent discrepancy or anything like that. I mean, there is a huge gap there. But even forget that, it, it's the, the lack of stamina. It's the lack of, of fitness. It is, you know, it, it's not something where, where our players in MLS, let alone the Houston Dynamo, are able to go out there for a full 90 and not be gassed at some point. There's a reason that MLS had to institute the water break rule, the hydration break rule. Look, that didn't come from FIFA. MLS was the first one to really try that out, to trial it. And 
and it stuck because hey, it helped the it helped the attack quality of the of the matches. It helped players be not nearly as exhausted. But the fact is, is that was brought in because MLS players don't have the stamina to keep up otherwise. And think about it, Sean. I mean, it's it's crazy because as a as a player, a bench player, what what kind of mindset do you, are you putting on your on your on your bench? You know that that you see you're seeing your 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 peers, your colleagues, your teammates out there gassing for air. Imagine I'm I'm imagine I'm Lassiter. I see I see Pasher out there gassing for air. I see Memo out there gassing for air or or, or Fafa or whoever. Dude, like I'm sitting right here. I'm ready to go. Put me in, coach. You know, like you really do you really think a gassed out Pasher Memo or Fafa is better than a, a ready to go Lasseter? I mean, if if he is, then Lasseter shouldn't be on the bench at all. He's taking up a spot for somebody else that could be. You know, the same thing that with Bahamas, the same thing with with you know with with Quintero. Look, I understand he has a lot of a lot of trust in and like players like Darwin Saran, but that's why we always see. Darwin Saran is the first player to come off the bench. You know, he's always the first one. If you notice, I mean, at least for eight out of the ten games that we've had, he's been always the first player to come off the bench. But like, as far as our other players, other players get gassed too. I understand that you know that you have certain trust in these players, and these players can do certain things. But a fifty percent Fafa is not better than a one hundred percent Lasseter. I'm sorry. You know, as much as much as much Fafa love as there is and in, 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 on the chat, and and as much as lo- Sean loves Fafa and everybody else loves Fafa, a fifty percent Fafa is not better than a hundred percent Lasseter. You know, I agree. I completely agree so, with you. I have no so, problem with that. So I mean, so I mean, so why, so why can't you give Lasseter the last fifteen minutes of the game, the last twenty minutes of the game, especially if the guy is so gassed out because he had to go back on defense and defend. Yeah, I, you know, I, I just wanted to point it out uh, and, and talk about it. Um, you know, someone had, had asked me on Twitter, uh, you know, why it was, kind of became a Twitter conversation when I brought it up originally. But uh, somebody had talked about or asked, uh, you know, why, why are, you know, if, if the heat and humidity are such a problem here, if players are so tired because of playing in the heat and humidity now, why wasn't that an issue when we were at Robertson or why wasn't that an issue in the early days of the Dynamo in 2006, 2007 when we had our championship runs? And I said there, there's one big difference when you look at the, the two teams. The biggest difference is the fact that they didn't play a high-press tactic. They didn't press for the full 90. That te- Those teams pick and chose exactly when they pushed, exactly when they pressured. 90% of the time on the road, and the reason that, that we were still terrible back then on the road is because we were picking and choosing when we wanted to take our, our you know, take our opportunities on the road. And there are far fewer and in, in, in less in between in ter- on the road than they are at home. Uh, but the other thing is we were we had tired players back then. We had players that would cramp up all the time, players that hit injuries because they were so exhausted because they were so tired and so hot. But, but, you, also mean, it, had, but, but you also had a more veteran-based team. No, you did. But but my point is, my point is because of the tactical approach of Dominic Kinnear, his players were not constantly running the full 90. He included opportunities for players to find their moments to, to rest, to get those few extra moments where they can take a quick breather to be able to catch their breath. In Tab's system, if that ball goes out of bounds, you're not slowing play down. You're going to grab that ball as quick as possible and get it back into play because he wants his guys running hard, hitting hitting the ground running 
for the entire 90 minutes. And there is no way that players can do that. It just doesn't work. And, and also it helped the fact that, you know, Dom had trust in, at his bench, you know, because it didn't matter if it was, look, look at the bench he had during those championship years. A young Stuart Holden, you know, who before we knew what he was, we didn't know what Stuart Holden was, you know, uh, a, a young Corey Ash. You know, before we knew what Corey Ash was, he didn't, he, you know, he was a bench player that, you know, came in every once in a while and helped out, you know, logged in minutes. You know, the thing is that you have to give these guys opportunities. If they're making your match day 18 and they're on your bench for a reason, use them. Use them. If you don't have faith in them, then lose them. Get rid of them. You know, because I know I'd be damned if I'm going to have somebody on my bench just to have somebody on my bench is because they they make the 18 that I need to, to, to give this game. That's why you have an academy. That's why you have players on the cusp. You know, George says, hashtag play reels. Hey, give the kid a shot. He just got his first international cap for El Salvador. How do you have, you know, I mean, and he did really well in that game for the, you know, I don't know who else watched the game. I watched it because obviously I'm Salvadorian, but he did really well in that game. Reward that. Give the kid an opportunity. You have these three games in eight, you have these three games in, in eight days coming up, you know, quite often in this year. Do that. Give them an opportunity. Rotate the team like you say you are. You don't rotate the team at all, to be honest. Just because you switch out one or two players, that's not rotation. That's not rotating the team. You know? You know, there was a there's a player that's currently available on a free right now. He's no longer under contract that I think actually does from a strike a backup striker perspective fit very well uh with this team and what we want to do. And that's Kai Kamara, a player who's played for Houston before. Look, yeah, he's old. He he's he's definitely old. He's not a player that's gonna go out there and give you the full ninety. That's not what you're looking for. What you're looking for is a player who can supplant and give and give Maxi that rest that you know Maxi needs in order to keep this pace that he is going at. Uh, you know, you need a player who understands MLS and understands how to beat MLS defenders in those last ten to fifteen minutes. You need a game changer, and Kai Kamara, even at this age, can still be that in a substitute super sub role, if you will, at striker. And uh, you know, we know we have a striker role available, striker position available right now. So why not take a take a runner on him, take a chance on him. Uh, you know, yeah. you never know what you're going to get. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, we know Kai Kamara. We know what he's done for M- in MLS. Uh, I think he's like top five all time in MLS scores, uh, a goal scored in MLS history. So obviously, he has, he's had a story career for MLS. You know, and it's you know, you're not asking him to be the Kai Kamara when he first came here under Dom. You're asking him to play 10, 15 minutes at most to give, you know. Maxi some some rest time sometimes you know because what good do does it does it do seeing Maxi run ninety minutes every game especially in games you know even though I know this doesn't happen so often that we're up by three goals or things like that or games you know where we're down three goals and we just you know he's just not he's just not into it you know bringing somebody who can be a change of pace somebody with a little bit more with a little bit more venture presence no understands how to get things done from a different perspective. You know, being a veteran you know, means that you understand how to do your job differently than what you're used to doing. You know, it's very easy to do things when you're fast and you're young and, and you have all the energy in the world. But once you become an older player and you have to uh, adjust yourself because your body doesn't give you what it used to and you're still able to do what you what you were able to do, that's what, that, that's what separates the, the, the players from the, from the, from the greats. Regular players from the greats, and Kai Kamara's been been an MLS great. 
He's scored everywhere he's gone. You know, just think of what he's done. He did for Minnesota United at Minnesota United last season. He wasn't brought in there to make it to be a game changer. He's brought in there to, you know, give some leadership and some veteran presence when they needed him. And and that's what he did. Yeah, so uh man, that it's actually been a really good conversation, guys. Thanks. I appreciate that. But I was yeah, anyways. I, I that's one of my favorite topic topics to talk about, which is tactics. Hey. And before you know, that, you know, uh, on the chat, you know, Houston Dynapod says, at least we didn't trade Wando. You know, shout out to Cam Weaver. <laughs> <laughs> oh, why'd you have to bring that one into the mix? Oh, man. I mean, you know, it, it was a win now mentality back then. And, and Wando was not a win, you know, was not a kid that was in, in a win now position or situation. It took him a couple of years uh, and he needed to develop. And, and Houston, you know, at that point, we were not a organization that was developing players into starters uh, at all. You know, Stu Holton was we, the you know we Stu were Holton a top pl- franchise back then. Yeah, we we were a uh, we were a, we were a veteran team, as you noted, not a team of rookies or young players. And and you know, it's a, it's a shame because I mean, if Wando had stuck around, if we hadn't traded away Wando, I mean, the opportunity there for Wando to be, you know, he would just, I mean. God, how many years did we need a striker like Wando in this organization? And I mean, and I mean think about it. We gave we we gave up Wondolowski the 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 most goals scored all time in MLS history for can we right? We we let we moved Kai Kamara on because we had Luis Angel Landin for those who don't, <laughs> don't, don't and, uh, oh, and, and, and he was supposed to be the. Why are you the taking the dagger and twisting it deeper <laughs> in my back? Come on, man! This is well, uncalled for pain right here. I mean, you know, just imagine, dude. We let two of the top five all-time goal scorers leave, uh, leave the Dynamo because we thought we had other players that could have done the job for us. But eh, this, the past is the past. We got two championships. Uh, three technically because we ended up with an open cup. Don't forget that. Oh, well, but not, but not, not that era. The oh, era that, yeah, 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 yeah. Championships and four finals, so you know. <laughs> Anyways, enough about sad times. Sad, no, no more sad boy hours. Let's let's talk about positive things. So you mentioned teenage DBs on his way. Uh, like I said, the yeah, uh, the the uh, the transfer window for the summer officially opens July seventh, which means that transfers can technically be completed at that time. Uh, unless they got the paperwork in for the transfer uh, of Hadibi, uh, which may have happened. I don't know when it actually got submitted, but unless that happened, he's not going to clear before the seventh, which means we have at least, you know, another match, maybe even two matches before we get to see him. But after that, he is supposed to be ready to go. He's coming from a place where he was already in full season, basically had just finished his full season. He's fit. He's match fit. He's ready to go. Uh, I don't know how many highlights you guys have looked at or have seen, Mark. I don't know how much you've you know researched into him, but he is a player that that uh, coming from the team he was on, uh, you know, he was a very gifted technical player. He was very capable with the ball at his feet. Uh, he's a decent defender. I, I hate to use this comparison because I know already that there are going to be some people in particular. I'm looking at you, Mark who are going to just roll their eyes at this comparison, but he genuinely reminds me in how he plays of a young, well, not even a young, of a Davinson, Davinson, Davison Sanchez from Spurs. Who would pick a Tottenham player? No, and it's not even so much that it's a Tottenham <laughs> player. It's the way that Davison Sanchez plays. It, it is, they very much mirror each other. Uh, and, you know, to me... The unfortunate thing is I'm not high on Davison Sanchez. I'm not a fan of how he plays, 
But on the flip side of it, you know, here in MLS, in the style that MLS plays and partnered with a Tim Parker, maybe I can grow to love it here. I don't know. We'll find out. I'm hopeful that maybe bringing in Teenage DB will be enough to solidify that back line so we don't give up these goals in the last 10, 15 minutes of matches. Go ahead, Mark. Well, I mean, like, you know, if, if, if that comparison is what you, if, that, if that's the comp you want to use, then, you know, then obviously Davis and Sanchez is not, obviously then Tim Parker's the anchor of the defense, which, you know, he's the he's the bigger, more physical guy. And Teenage Hadabi is obviously the more uh, pacey, finesse guy. Who... Are you comparing to, uh, Tim Parker to Toby Alderweireld? <laughs> Not really, but you know. <laughs> Sorry, I gotta keep this. I gotta keep the Spurs talk alive, man. Come on. We but, finally but, I mean, but, have, we finally know, have but, a freaking coach, man. Come on. <laughs> but you know the thing about it is, if you know, teenage obviously his his built. You know, obviously he is he he obviously will be the more finesse, uh, willing to push the ball up as a, as a defender type player. You know, um, so I can see where you where you get the Davis Sanchez comp. You know, but you know, with that being said, you know. If, if, he, if he's if he's able to do that great you know but at the end of the day i just need i just want the guy to be able to defend you know i i don't really care too much for for my defenders to push up you know if they when they can great when they when they don't when they are not able to then that's fine you know protect protect the goal but um you know but from everything i've seen i mean obviously i've the one video i saw of him you know is obviously just nothing but highlights everybody can look good on the highlight reel you know um, he looks good, you know. He, I mean, obviously, he's been playing at the Turkish League, which is a, a, a very, you know, underrated league. But at the same time, he was fighting off regulation, uh, and he and they succeeded in that. His team stayed in the in the in the first division, so he's ready. You know, he's you know, obviously, he's gonna need a couple of days just to get the fitness level back up. But I'm 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 ready to see him go. Obviously, with the with the disappointment of not being able to see Bartlow. You know, we gotta get on the pitch. Uh, not so much disappointment of seeing Minor start games, but the, you know, just respect to Minor for the fact that he's able to still continue to be in the in the great physical shape that he's in. But it's finally, it's it's great to finally have a center back duel that I think it's it's you know uh, capable of doing the job that we need him to do. Yeah. Um... I sure hope so. You know, it, it's always difficult when you have a player coming in from, you know, internationally from out of the league. Uh, there's always an adjustment. It, it's always been true. And especially if you're talking a player coming in as center back. Um... <laughs> Mark, you funny. Uh, you know, it's just. Uh... I don't hold the biggest mic. Let's just throw it out there on that. Uh, actually, we have the exact same mic for what it is worth. Uh, but. You know, to my point, you know, it's difficult for a player transitioning between two leagues. I'm hopeful that Teenage can make that transition pretty swift and pretty easily. But, um, you know, I hope that there's not too much pressure and too much hype put into Teenage DB because, frankly, we do that with every player that has even a remote, you know, international presence. You know, Lundy, when he came in, there was so much hype around him. Uh, You know, Lassiter, when he came in, there was so much hype built up around Lassiter. Um, you know, there there are people out there that do, you know, do try to temper the excitement and temper the hype a little bit. But frankly, it, it is difficult as a Dynamo fan. I'm guilty of this constantly, uh, you know, where in reality it, it is, you know, you, you see the name coming in. You don't really know who they are. or Maybe you've done a little bit of research. 
you know, they're coming in from a league or from a position where a division where they were they were relatively dominant, you know, for their team. That, but to just, you know, to, to, to not kind of like, I guess to play devil's advocate in that, I think it's one of those things as a, as a Dino fan, Dino supporter, I just, I just want to see an acquisition come in and just run with it, you know? Um, obviously, you know, the thing with, you know, with Lasseter, it, it, his first game was great, a brace, you know, and obviously he dominated in the Costa Rican League, you know, and he, and, and he was a player who's familiar with MLS because he was with the LA Galaxy uh, B team prior to him going to Costa Rica. And then he's a Costa Rican international. So you're thinking like, man, he has all these accolades. He comes into MLS, does what he does, but then he falls off, you know. Uh, a lot of people say because could say because you know obviously Albert Leith left left and it was a different type of game afterwards, uh, things of that nature. Um, the thing with uh, with Lundy, you know, obviously he came in with a lot of accolades too. You know, he was a Swedish international, um, uh, played really good. Uh, for, I mean, Cup Iron Man. This guy, this guy plays every game, every minute. Um, so. As 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 a, as a as a supporter and a, and a fan, I want I want to have I want to be able to have a player come in and just take over, you know. Uh, I don't want to have to have grace periods for every player that we bring in. Otherwise, we're gonna lose games and, and lose out. You know, you know we have to have players come in that are ready mentally to come in here and and take over. And you know, and 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 maybe we're not able to get those type of players because of the money that has been allocated for that. You know, obviously, we know that you know it's been kind of a penny pinching kind of type of deal with 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 uh, Gabriel Brenner and the prior regime. But hopefully, now with the resources that we're going to be accoladed by Ted, you know, hopefully we're able to find a more uh, experienced player who's ready to come in and take over. You know, yeah, I mean that's you know to note that's definitely the hope that's definitely the the you know I, some people would say the expectation at this point is that you know he does end up being that type of player um you know I, i'm hopeful that you know at the end of the season if not the summer transfer window we see kind of a splash of a of a move i don't feel teenage db is necessarily a splash of a move it's it's a it's the type of move that is a little bit above what we probably would have done prior to Ted Segal taking over. But to me, it doesn't feel like a big ball move. It doesn't feel like, you know, Ted Segal pushing his weight around as a, you know, as an owner and saying, you know I, want, I want to win this league. Go ahead. You know what kind of move this is? This, this, these are the moves that franchises make to solidify their franchise, you know, to solidify their foundation, you know. And, and teenage Hadabi shouldn't be our biggest acquisition in the no. summer. No, you no, know, he, 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 he's, he's, he's something to solidify the, the defense, uh, someone to solidify the foundation of, 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 of this team, you know, um, obviously Tim Parker being re-signed for another three years and then teenager Hadabi being signed for, I think two or three years. I'm not sure what the contract situation is on that. So there are pair, you know, teenage is a DP defender, uh, according to, you know, whatever the, the rules are, but you know, so obviously that that's a big tag that he carries around for right now because you know he carries that DP label label unfortunately to him. But you know those move that that move is is it's just a regular move that happens with LA Galaxy with the with with the LAFC with 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 the Seattle Sounder, you know. If teenage the only reason I'll give this I'll give him benefit of doubt is because of the whole, you know, 
and them trying to catch up, you know, trying to make sure they understand the situation, understand everything around, you know, with the team and all that stuff. But other than that, teenage shouldn't be our biggest acquisition summer transfer window. That's just my thought on that entirely. So, yeah, you know, like I said, I, I agree with you. And I, I like to your point because this is important. You know, you said it's a franchise defining type of move. It doesn't have to be the big name move, but it's the franchise defining type of move. And it's important because, uh, you know, you look at we also extended Tim Parker for another couple of years, I think three years total. And so we've got both players for three years. And, you know, th- there's no doubt that what we've done is we've we've literally brought in the expected starting center back pair for the next three seasons. That being the case, you'd only need two backups. You don't need more than two backups for your center backs, maybe three or four, you know, in in the reserve league of young players that you can call up in the event of injury or whatever. Uh, we've got a Spurs versus Villa debate going on right now, and it's glorious. I'm so glad I'm not having to even participate. Well, look, before I, I, I just thought on my chat, but why are both of y'all even complaining? Harry Kane and Jack Gillish are going to Man City. They're not going to Man City together. That's already been stated. That ain't happening, and it's it's got nothing to do with nothing to do with the uh, city. It's got everything to do with the fact that it can't happen, uh, or it won't happen, I should say. But uh, you know, for all the conversation they're having, you know, the important thing here though is if we've if we if we have truly found it, and it is our center back pairing, and and it turns out to be world class, or at least good enough to be, you know, let's say Concacaf Champions League class. So that's a great start in the you know in the right direction, but it's a start. It is not a finish. It is not a completion. It is not a done moment. Look, that is not the move that you finish everything on and you say, okay, we've got the piece that we needed to be an MLS championship team. I mean, the fact is, is this team even with Teenage DB is still probably not vying for an MLS championship trophy at this point in time. You've got to look at your Philly. You've got to look at your Seattle. You've got to look at the other teams that are at the top of the league right now. And they are good defensively, if not great defensively, for 90 minutes. We don't have a team right now that is good or great defensively for 90 minutes. We have a team that can't even go 90 minutes. Go ahead, Mark. If, if, If Teenage comes in and he solidifies the defense, that's great, right? That's awesome. You have one side of the ball, you know, one side of the team, you know, accomplished. But... But I'm always gonna pitch on and 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 debate about you know no matter how how good we think the Dynamo can be, or if they're gonna or if they're playoff contenders or champions champion contenders or whatever, until they get a true playmaker, a true game changer on this squad that can carry the team when the team needs to be carried, whatever reason, the Dynamo won't be uh won't be a top echelon MLS team. You know, and that player doesn't come cheap. You know, do you? Um, so let me ask this question. You're kind of getting towards it one way or the other, and we're we're going to talk about it, and we're ending at nine. That's my intent. So we have 15 minutes to talk about this. If at the end of the season we have not hit that big that big name, or we haven't hit that big signing, or that key signing, or whatever you want to call it, if if Teenage DB and and you know some sub striker are all we bring in, that's all we have by the end of the season. Number one. Do you place that on Seagal or do you place that on Matt Jordan? Number two, what do you expect in the offseason if that's the case? Do you expect then that they're looking for the the big name? Do you expect Matt Jordan is gone? Do you expect we bring in a new GM? What, what are you anticipating? Maybe even a new coach. Ah, that's very uh, possible as well. You know, it, it, you know, like I said, this this 
before the, before the whole, you know, before we even got to the point where uh, a, a sale was even on the books, you know, we all, I think we all agreed that Dynamo need to make the playoffs. They, they need to make the playoffs. That has to be like the bare minimum of, of success that we need for the season because of everything that, you know, that has happened with the squad, you know, it being so many years now without playoffs, Tab has finally brought in some players that he handpicked, you know, uh, and things of that nature, right? So if whatever happens with this summer transfer window, let's say Teenage is the only guy that comes in and and the dude, the, the goofy guy from, from England, um, Baddock is our backup striker that, that's supposedly rumored to come to the Dynamo. Those are our only two signings, and we make the playoffs. Then I'm 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 cool with that, right? But when it but then on the off season, that's 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 where I'm gonna see how really how how truthful Ted and his and his group of uh, his group of of what you know and his management group or whatever are really serious about really bringing a uh, the Dynamo to into the top echelon of of MLS because. The fact of the matter is, you know, making the playoffs is great. And it's a big, it's a huge step forward for the Dynamo because we haven't seen it in so long, right? But then we can't, we can't just be complacent and be, and be, okay, we made the playoffs. Okay, we can, we can, we can go without playoff soccer again for another five years. Nah, that doesn't, it doesn't go that way. You know, once we, once we hit a mark, we need to be able to hit that mark again and run past that mark. And, and you can, and you, and how do you do that? By constantly rotating your team, by constantly bringing in new players, by constantly bringing in better quality of players, and obviously we know better quality of players cost money, you know, because we're not home growing them here. We're not. We're not. We're not. We're not seeing success stories out of the academy yet. Hopefully we do, but we're not Philadelphia Union. We're not FC Dallas as far as that standard goes. So we need to bring in players. We need to bring in players of better quality who have better skill sets, who have better understanding, higher IQs and things of that nature. And if we see those players come in and we see the money spent, then great. You know, uh, then, then it's up to those players to be able to uh, achieve the objective of making playoffs, making a deep run, winning us open cup, making it to champions league, uh, Concacaf finals, maybe making a run to the MLS cup, things of that nature. You know, I can't I can't blame an owner for 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 what happens on the pitch if he if he actually does something, you know, to help the product on the pitch. At some point it becomes a coach and player issue, you know, and GM. Yeah. Right right now we know it's an owner issue. Well, it was it was an owner issue, right? We 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 know that. We know that. Okay? Now if he's really true to his word and he's here to really bring the level of Dynamo FC up a couple of notches, then then if he does it and he shows us and he brings in players that 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 can really change the dynamic of his team and the culture, then great. Now it's up to Tab and and Matt Jordan or whoever he picks because it, it, those both of those guys can be out. He might he might this this might be a trial run for those two guys. And and regardless of how much we love Tab and and Tab is this and this and that, if Ted doesn't see it, guess what? Tab is out. So is Matt Matt Jordan. So we'll see. Uh, you know, a question was asked, and we got ten minutes. So it's good to answer this question. So Houston Dynamo Academy does not give good enough players. I, you know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna respond to that. You know, it was not long ago, just really two or three years ago, that. 
our academy was in complete shambles. I mean, we we did not have much in the way of any anything coming through that academy. And were it not for uh, you know Paul Holliker coming in here and really taking the academy and turning it into something you know very viable, we wouldn't have anything um, you know in, in in the way of some of the players that we have. Um, you know, we are still. I, George, I think hit the money, hit the hit the nail on the head. There, we're still probably two to three years out. I've said five years for three years now, so we're two to three years out, in my opinion, even still. And you know, and yet we still have players like Danny Rios, uh, Juan Castilla, um, you know, Nico Lemoyne, um, you know, Eric McHugh. Technically, um, God, there's another one I can't remember. Off top. Yeah. Who? Et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it's a, thank you, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, who who are coming through the ranks. Look, the, these kids that are coming out, they're not, in my opinion, they probably are MLS ready in terms of if they had, you know, if they had a position where they could get a super sub minute and they could get super sub minutes. But we, for whatever reason, we have continued to push this idea, you know, that our veteran players are that much better than these young kids. I think the fact is, is you at least have to give the young kids a chance. Let the kids show you that they can step up to the moment, that they can relish in the big moment and the big opportunity. Uh, you know, I, I don't think there's any doubt that some of the players that have rode this bench this season, they've not been on the pitch. If they've been on the pitch at all, then then why not give a kid the opportunity? Why not bring in you know uh, you know Danny Rios and and just let him. You know, let him get the the feel of riding that bench. Let him get the feel of 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 a minute or two minutes in a match. Just throw him out there. Let him see what he can do. I mean, you know, Palomino would have been a great opportunity for that. Uh, that's another kid that that I think honestly is ready to play. Um, you know, we've got a few kids like that that are in in prime positions. Uh, you know, in, in areas where we need to upgrade. So. You know, I think it falls on tab to understand that and be willing to give the kids chances. He did it for a couple of matches last season, uh, bringing in Lemoyne and and uh, God, who was the other kid? Uh, yeah, Palomino. Well, kind of, sort of Palomino, mostly Lemoyne. Uh, you know, last season, and it, and it was just such a such a short period of time that you know that at the end of the uh, yeah, they're going to struggle. That's going to happen. They're not going to be consistent. They're young kids. It's your responsibility as a coach to help them through that, to work them through that, to to develop them enough that they can become the player with the the talent level that you see. Um, go ahead. There's two reasons why we're so far behind in that development stage. Reason number one, obviously, there was no focus for the academy prior to prior to uh, Paul coming in. So that that in itself put us ten years behind, ten yep. fifteen years behind. You know, and then especially what. FC Dallas has done up there with everything as far as youth. They they've really put a, a, a stamp, not just in the Dallas area, but the whole Texas. Dallas, Southwest look, you, you say Dallas, but it's not just Frisco. It's Frisco. It's KC. It's you yeah. Know, it, it, it's it, not it, just it, one team that stamped themselves. In yeah, terms it's, of it's, the it's, it's, it's it's the whole South Southwest region of of the United States that you know if FC Dallas comes looking at your kid. You're going to send them to go in that academy. Yeah. Second second reason is that the Dynamo have been so bad as far as a team, first team, that, they, you know, they've brought in coaches. So ever, ever, you know, Owen Coyle, Wayne Barry, uh, Wilmer Cabrera. Cabrera um, uh, what was the other guy? I can't remember his name off the top of him right now. Owen Coyle? Yeah, not I think I said Owen Coyle. But, but, think, but all these coaches have been trying to get these mid, these low-average players to get them on par to – 
to make playoffs and and succeed at the MLS level and we and there's no room for failure because they need they feel that they need to do it as quickly as possible because there's been such a a, a drought and playoff and playoffs with the Dynamo ever since the Brenner uh administration took over that they just can't rely they can't allow themselves to put on a young guy because they don't have they they don't have the the, the long enough leash to do that you know so that hampers the 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 gateway to get to the first team because if my choice if if I'm a, if I'm a coach on a team that I know needs instant success because because of the bad success is having and, and my job is on the line and I'm going to bring in a, a a player that I have confidence in that I really know has played in those situations above a youth player because this is my job this is my love, livelihood on the line here so also got to take those things into consideration as well yeah look i mean if you look across mls there are definitely teams that their academies are churning out prospects at at unbelievable rates and it makes you pause and take a look at what's going on with the dynamo to think how far behind were we really when holiker took over look holiker has pulled in some incredible prospects uh, and he has made tremendous headway but to be as far behind as we have been it is not an overnight success thing, and it, it is never going to be that way. It's uh, going to take many years. Go ahead. But just just think about it. Think about the 2018 U.S. Open Cup Championship. It was who? It was us versus Philadelphia Union, right? Mm-hmm. And, and we and we whooped them three zero. We took the cup. You know, you know. Thanks, Austin. Trusty. Queremos la copa. All that stuff, right? Yeah. Look at look at look at the two teams since that match. Look how far along Philadelphia Union are ahead of the Dynamo as far as a, as a complete team, first team, yeah, and as an academy. Look how many players have gone on to European football from Philadelphia Union. Yeah, you know. So I mean, it, it's it's just like I said, it, it's one of those things where there's been mismanagement, there's been lack of focus on that on that side of the ball, on that side of the of, of the club because Dynamo Houston Dynamo Academy is part of the club. Um, it, it's just it's just been a whole lot of fumbling. I will note and, one of the things that Segal did say in his interviews is that he understands or he believes that the Dynamo need to become a team that also develops their own players and then sells them on to Europe. He wants to be a selling team as well, and that excites me because that's a that's a a guy an owner who understands that it's not just about developing players to keep them here at the club. It's about developing them it, it, to a high enough level that they go above what you are able to offer them and they go somewhere bigger and better. Um, I mean, think and about we've it. not had that. I mean, I know we're coming close to the, to shut off time, but let me make this comment right before we go. Think about Brian Reynolds from, you know, from SC Dallas. He was going to take over for Reggie Cannon as soon as he got transferred to Boa Vista. And I don't know, you know, out of nowhere, you got teams from like Juventus, Roma, Milan, all these Italian teams and French teams looking to pick them up. And and this is supposed to be your replacement for the guy you just let go to go to Portugal. I said, that doesn't care. They say, okay, cool. You, you If you want them, how much you want? How much are you going to yeah. pay? Yeah. They, they, do you think they care if there's anybody uh, uh, coming up after him? No, because it's it's one of those things where, like, look, if if there is somebody behind them, great. If there's not somebody behind them, then with that money, we can go and find somebody to to put, put, be a plug player at, at at the very minimum. You know, you got to be able to think like that. You can't be selfish on your part. Be like, okay, well, if 
if Juventus or or Roma want him, then obviously he's a big time talent. So why, as FC Dallas, why wouldn't I want to keep him here? You know, because he would improve my team vastly on the on the on my first team pitch. It's just because that's not that's not the level of soccer that you're in. You know, this league, unfortunately, we're not we're not we're not the biggest league in the world. We're not there yet. We're nowhere close to that. First, yeah. we ha- we have to be a selling league. Yep. You know, I'm going to I'm going to close with this thought because I think it's really interesting. It's something I've been wondering, uh, you know, there, the, the new CEO, Jamie Roots, he has connections with teams overseas. He has an international football connection in terms of soccer and in terms of NFL. That's important because there are plenty of organizations overseas that there are opportunities if you have the right players in the right positions to be able to connect with those organizations. Perhaps one of the things that Jamie Roots will be bringing to this club is a connection with a serious European team looking to connect our academy, looking to connect with our players, looking to become a pipeline organization. Perhaps it results in a loan that is brought to us or a loan that is brought to them. But either way, perhaps we see an improvement in that area tremendously much quicker than we anticipate simply by having Jamie Roots being here. Look, what I'm trying to say is Jamie Roots was definitely the guy that needed to be in the position he's in. The fact that we were able to get him, it speaks highly of what this change in ownership is going to yield. Buckle up, guys. It's only going to get better from here. I can almost promise that. Let's see what happens next. I'm here for the ride. I don't know about you, Mark, but I'm ready to say it loud and proud. Hold it down. Hopefully, Nestor saw my message.
Thanks for listening to the audio-only podcast edition of our show. We air live over on Twitch via our Twitch channel every Wednesday, life and work permitting, starting at 7 p.m. Central. If you like what you've heard here so far, follow our Twitch channel at twitch.tv backslash genorange. And while you're over there, why not do us a huge favor and go ahead and drop a sub? If you do catch us during the live show, let us know in the Twitch chat. We love you guys and look forward to chatting with you guys next Wednesday. Now, back to the show. Well, guys, that is it for this week's audio-only podcast episode, which has been uploaded to Anchor.fm. Special thanks to our producer and streamer boy, Nestor Luna, for helping take care of the technical details each week for our show. We look forward to talking with you again real soon. Hold it down, Houston.